Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Counterculture, a study of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's Pastor Nick. What about a woman whose husband strikes her? Should she just tolerate being being beaten by her husband and let him do it some more, right? If a person hits you with a baseball bat, should you just stand there and let him hit you some more with a baseball bat? That's not at all what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is this. In your personal relationships, if someone insults you, don't insult them back. Don't retaliate. Like, here's an example. When you're driving and someone cuts you off, So what do you do? You speed up and you get in the other lane and then you cut them off, right? Teach them a lesson. No, Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. Just let it go, man. Someone says something to you that hurts your feelings, so you take a jab right back at them. No, don't do that. Don't retaliate. Oh, well, you know, if you're gonna treat me that way, well, then I'm gonna treat you the same way. I'm gonna give you a taste of your own medicine. You're gonna see how it feels. Jesus says, no, no. Don't return evil for evil. Leave vengeance, leave retribution, leave that up to God. That's his prerogative, not yours. Don't return evil for evil, but instead, here's what I want you to do. Overcome evil with good. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that we should be weak in the face of evil. Rather, what Jesus is saying is that we should have the strength of character the incredible strength of character to not retaliate when people hurt us. That is not weakness. That takes incredible strength of character. That requires a love for that other person, which is more powerful than your desire to satisfy yourself in the moment by lashing out and striking back at the person who has insulted you or hurt you or offended you. And let me tell you what, that is incredibly countercultural, isn't it? The majority of our culture says, if somebody hurts you, if somebody insults you, then get them back. Treat them the same way. Give them a taste of their own medicine. If someone cuts you off, you should cut them off. If someone insults you, if someone slaps you, you should slap them back. Jesus says, no, do not return evil for evil. Be willing to bear an insult without retaliating or striking back. That's what Jesus is saying here when he says don't resist the person who is evil. Now understand, Jesus is not saying that evil should never be resisted. He's not saying that the Christian thing to do is allow other people to abuse you or mistreat you or walk all over you. Jesus demonstrated with his life that evil must be resisted. That was the whole point of his life, that evil must be resisted, that evil should absolutely be resisted, and that resisting evil is part of doing the will of God, and resisting evil is a key part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So Jesus isn't saying that evil should never be resisted. What he's saying is that the way to resist evil in the area of personal relationships, the way to resist evil is not to respond with evil, to evil, right? Not, not just to, if someone insults you and you insult them right back, well then guess what? Instead of one evil deed, now there are two evil deeds. In other words, you just brought more evil into the world. You didn't overcome evil, you brought more of it into the world. And so the way Jesus tells us to resist evil is to let the evil stop with you. In other words, the buck stops here, right? I am not going to let evil win. I'm not gonna perpetuate it any further. Evil stops here. 
I'm not going to be consumed by evil, but I will overcome evil. And if that means that I have to absorb an insult and not satisfy myself by striking back, then I will do that. Because I love God and I love other people more, so much more, that I refuse to repay evil with evil. I will resist evil. I will not allow it to overcome me, but I will overcome evil with good. And I will act in love even when other people don't act in love towards me. Do you see that this is the way of Jesus? Do you see that this is the the way that he has modeled for us to live with his own life? Ultimately, this is at the heart of the gospel, that God in Christ has responded to us in love. Even though we have often acted towards him in evil, even though by our actions, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we have insulted him and we have showed disregard for him. Instead of giving tit for tat, God has shown us love and mercy and grace. And what it means to be a Christian is to live in response to the ways that God has loved you in, the areas of, in every area of your life. Loving God and loving others because God first loved you and now you get to respond to the grace of God that you have received by loving others in the same ways that he has loved you. Now keep in mind this distinction that's being made here between the role of the law and justice in society versus the idea of exacting justice in personal relationships. There's a difference there. In society, in the justice system, the principle should be, and it really should be, an eye for an eye, meaning that crimes should be punished with punishments that fit crimes. It shouldn't be excessive, but neither should it be too easy, right? It shouldn't be too uh, light either. It should fit the crime. But in your personal relationships, here's what he's saying. Don't be a judge, man. Don't, don't go around trying to hand out penalties to people who have wronged you in some way or another. So if someone commits a crime against you, you should call the police. By all means, let justice take its course. And if the thing goes to trial or whatever, then you should go to trial and you should testify against that person. But in your personal dealings with that person, love them, forgive them, visit them in jail, bake them cookies, tell them about Jesus, and don't retaliate against them or try to get even with them. You see the difference there. You know, some people have taken Jesus' words here about turning the other cheek to mean that the Christian thing to do in the face of evil is to do nothing or to tolerate abuse. That's not what Jesus is saying. Evil should be resisted. Abuse should never be tolerated. Rather, authorities should be involved. Justice and discipline should take place. And Christians should help rather than hinder the justice system. Now, getting back to the idea of the law of love, the most loving thing to do to our neighbors is to let the justice system uh, do its job and let people who commit crimes face prosecution. But on a personal level, We choose not to perpetuate the evil that is done against us, but we are so bold as to say the evil will stop with me. I will not respond in evil. I will not retaliate. I will forgive. I will not perpetuate evil by doing something evil myself against the person who did evil to me. Verse 40, we we read this interesting statement of Jesus. He says, if anyone would would sue you and take your tunic, we'll let him have your cloak as well. The tunic being the inner garment, the, the cloak being the outer garment. And he says this, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. What Jesus is describing here is radical discipleship. 
And it all boils down to this idea. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, Judea was a land which was under military occupation at this time. It was occupied by the Roman army and the people of Judea were not happy that they were there. In fact, they very much were bitter that this was happening to them. They didn't like it at all. And the Roman military uh, said that they had the right, they gave themselves the right that any Roman soldier could conscript any civilian at any time to carry things for him, but not forever, only up to one mile. So that was the rule. One mile. And a mile in their society was measured by a thousand steps. So imagine here, you've got a Roman soldier. He's carrying a heavy pack. And he sees this Jew from Judea standing on the side of the road. And the Roman soldier points out and says, you, get over here. And he forces him to carry that pack for one mile, 1,000 steps. And you can imagine how this poor, oppressed Jew would feel, right? He would be full of what? Anger. Hatred. He would, he would just have been humiliated in front of other people having to carry this pack for this Roman soldier, being forced to do something against his will. And he would carry that pack, you can imagine, counting the steps. He's going to carry it exactly 1,000 steps, not a step further. And as soon as he gets to that 1,000 step, he's going to drop that pack. And with all the hatred he can muster in his eyes, he's going to look that Roman soldier in the eye and walk away. Another situation, he says here, somebody sues you and they want to take everything you have. Now, now think about this. This is actually really interesting. It's kind of confusing. Somebody wants to take your tunic, give him your cloak as well. Now, this is referring to something which is actually quite astounding. The law of Moses had a provision and it said that the one thing that you could never take away from somebody was their cloak, their outer garment. And the reason was because the cloak and the outer garment was used for sleeping. They kind of wrapped themselves up in it and sleep at night. Now, what Jesus is saying is this. If somebody is so mean to you that they sue you and their goal is to take everything you've got, in fact, literally, they even take the clothes off your back. The one thing that the law would not allow them to take was your cloak. But Jesus says, I want you to give that to them too. Give them the one thing which you don't have to give to them, your cloak. Give that to them too if they're going to be so mean as to try and sue you for everything you've got. What is Jesus saying here? What's the point? Jesus' point is this. If someone treats you badly, if someone treats you in an unloving way, they, they try to humiliate you, they try to just wreck you, then here's what you do. You transform that situation. You take control of that situation by literally going the extra mile. Not because you have to, but because you choose to. In an act of love. A free choice of love for that person who is treating you terribly. You're trying to humiliate me. You're trying to hurt me. Well, you know what? I'm going to choose to give you even more than what you want from me. I like doing things that I choose to do. Don't we all like doing things that we choose to do? Right? And, and I'm not going to choose to show just what you want. I'm not going to choose to just do what you want. I'm going to choose to show radical love to you even though you are being terrible to me. That's the point here. Why? Because I refuse to be overcome by evil. I'm not going to let evil overcome me. Instead, I am going to overcome evil with good. And even if you treat me terribly, I'm going to respond to you all that much more in love. Don't you see how radical this is? Don't you see how radically countercultural this kind of living is? What if you and I actually live this way? Paul the Apostle, he says this, if you live this way, 
You will shine like the stars in the night sky. You will stand out. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. You know what you're doing in each of these situations when you go the extra mile, when you turn the other cheek, when you give even more to the person who's trying to take everything you have? When you do that, you are removing the teeth of that evil deed. You're taking its, its sting away. You are stopping the evil. It stops there with you and you are overcoming evil with good. Let's continue on from verse 43. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? Have you ever seen those people who have like a Subaru and they've got 2,000 bumper stickers on it, right? Like I see these people all the time. In fact, it's kind of nice to get stuck behind them out of the traffic light because then you got something to do for the next two minutes until it turns green. <laughs> and you know there's the ever popular coexist bumper sticker. And you know, when I first moved here from Europe, I, uh, I actually thought that was the Colorado license plate, right? Like I, I fully expected that I was gonna be issued one of those when I paid my uh, car registration. I was kind of disappointed when it didn't come in the mail, right? Well, anyway, I saw another bumper sticker the other day and it said this, enemies are friends whom you choose not to understand. Now let that one sink in. It's pretty deep, right? Enemies are just friends, who you choose not to understand. And just let that sink in. I wonder what the Christians in the Middle East would say if you told them, you know those ISIS guys who are like hunting you down and stuff? They're not your enemies. They're your friends. You just choose, you choose not to understand them. You should really put some more effort into understanding them and maybe you guys could be friends, right? It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, you do have enemies. Guess what? You do. You know what? There are some people out there, they don't like you, some people who are going to be out to get you, and, and yeah, they do evil. There are people in the world who do evil, and even if you understood them, you just understand, wow, they're really, really evil. And you know what? But he says, you know what you should do? There are such a thing as enemies, and you know what you should do? You should love them. Crazy. Seriously. Think about it. This is radical. He says, you do have enemies, and you know what you should do to them? You should love them. And you should pray for them and you should bless them. Let me tell you what, that is a radical thing to say. Maybe there's somebody in your life, let me ask you, is there somebody in your life who either you consider them an enemy or maybe they consider you an enemy? Either way, what are you doing to love them? What are you doing to bless them? Are you praying for them? Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for them to come to me first because they're the one who did me wrong. No, that's the opposite of what Jesus is saying here. Here's what he's saying. Pray for them. And not just like those prayers of David, you know, from the Psalms, like bash their teeth in and break their heads open, that kind of prayer. That doesn't count. And not like, these, here's the other one. Okay, I'm gonna pray for my enemies. 
Lord, would you please show them that I'm right and they're wrong, amen. But like really honestly praying for them, like God, you know my heart and you know that I just do not like that person and I'm pretty sure they don't like me either. But Lord, would you please bless them? Would you please make them prosper? Would you pour out favor upon their lives? Would you show them your love and your presence? I know they don't deserve it, Lord, but you know what? Neither do I. So Lord, I want to love them, but I just don't. So Lord, would you please change my heart? Please help me, Lord. If you pray like that, I guarantee God's gonna hear that prayer and he will honor that prayer. And if you're serious about it, he will change your heart. Notice what Jesus says here, it's huge. He says, then you will be like, you will be sons of your father who's in heaven. Then, when you do what? When you love people who don't love you. When you bless people who don't deserve it. Then you will be like your father in heaven. If you love your enemies, if you act the way that towards them that God acts towards you, you will be sons of your father in heaven. You will be imitating God with your actions. You will be loving and living like him. Because that is what God does. God shows love to his enemies. And that is part of the message of the gospel, that God loved you and God blessed you even when you were an enemy of him in your heart. Even at that time, God loved you so much that he gave his life for you, an enemy. And he did it with the hope that you, an enemy, might actually become a friend. He loved you and he blessed you even when you were an enemy. And that is the example we have to follow. The Old Testament teaches that we should love our neighbors, but nowhere does it ever say that we should hate our enemies. But these guys had added that on kind of as the logical conclusion. Oh, so I guess we need to define who our neighbors are because those are the people we love, and I guess the people we don't love, they would be our enemies, and so we should hate them. That, that was something that people had tacked on in Jesus' day. They said, oh, surely God wants us to love our neighbors, but surely he can't expect us to love our enemies. I mean, that would just be crazy. But Jesus says, no, your neighbors, guess what? A neighbor is every person, and that includes your enemies. So if you want to fulfill the heart of God's commandment, which is to love your neighbor, that includes loving your enemies. And Jesus says, if you love those who love you, if you're nice to people who are nice to you, well, whoop-de-doo, you're gonna get a big gold star for it, a big pat on the back, good job. Everybody does that. Everybody's nice to people who are nice to them. That's not special, that's not different. Jesus is reminding us of this very foundational point that the character of his disciples, if you wanna be a disciple of him, that means that your life needs to be, your character needs to be noticeably different than the character of everybody else in the world. And the point is this, if you're following Jesus, if you're living a life of a disciple, then you will stand out. It will be noticeable. It's the kind of thing where people will say, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. She's actually married to the same husband, and they even have a thriving marriage. They're not just surviving. They're thriving after this many years. Wow, you really don't see that very much these days, do you? You know, he doesn't talk disrespectfully about his wife. He seems like he treats her well. That's kind of different. Right? He's like the most trustworthy person I know. She always says what she means, and she always means what she says. I don't know a lot of people like that. You know, one time I saw this guy uh, totally insult him to his face, and he didn't retaliate. In fact, he responded in a way that was just so gracious. And man, it was weird, right? Like, she, she doesn't only love people who are nice to her. She actually noticeably loves people who do not like her. 
who are rude to her. I've never seen someone act like that before. It's countercultural, don't you see? It honors God and it shows love for other people. It gets to the very heart of the commandments. And there's only really one way to become like this. There's only one way to be transformed to the point where you go from living and thinking just like everybody else to living and thinking in a way that's absolutely countercultural. And it's found here in the, the final verse of chapter five. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now if a person could live in the way that Jesus tells us to live here in this section, they would be perfect, wouldn't they? I mean, here, here's the point of what Jesus is saying in this section. This is what it means to be a good person in God's eyes. In order for God to consider you good enough for his standards, good enough to go to heaven, here's what you gotta do. You gotta keep all the commandments of God perfectly, not only outwardly, but inwardly as well. Not only in your actions do you have to be perfect, but you have to be perfect in your heart and in your thoughts as well. And Jesus sums it up here. He answers the question, how good do you have to be to be good enough for God? How good do you have to be to get into heaven? How good do you have to be to be good enough to be accepted by God and loved by God? And Jesus says, here's the answer, here's the standard, you gotta be perfect. What do you think people would say if you told them that? You know, remember those 60% of people I told you about who say, I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, I never done anything that bad? What if you would tell them, okay, well here's the standard, here's God's standard, here's what God says is good enough, perfect. And they would say, well, wait a second, what are, you, what are you talking about, perfect? Nobody's perfect, right? So surely that can't be the standard because, it, you know, it's got to be something more like people who try hard enough to be good, pretty good most of the time, you know, except for, for college and Fridays. But you see, that's the standard that Jesus sets here. He says it's the most plain and simple term possible. Perfect. That's the standard. You want to go to heaven? You want to be right with God? Here's the standard, perfect. But they say, whoa, whoa, nobody's perfect, man. Well, actually, there was somebody. There was somebody. The man who said these words, he didn't just talk about these things. He actually lived them out, every single one of them, in perfection. Jesus Christ, he's the only one, the only one who is righteous before God, the only one who is truly a good person, the only one who's good enough to be justified before God, the only one good enough to go to heaven. And the good news of the gospel is this that there is a righteousness available apart from you keeping the commandments. You can have the righteousness of Jesus Christ credited to your account through faith in him. Romans chapter three says this, but the righteousness of God has now been made manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That is the point of everything that Jesus is saying here. That the only path to be right before God, the only path to get to heaven is through him. He is the only good person who's ever lived. And if you put your faith in him, God will credit his righteousness to your account by faith and you will be saved. Not only because, not because at all, not because at all of your goodness, but because of Jesus' righteousness given to you through Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection from the grave. It can all be yours through faith in him today. Amen? Lord, we thank you that you lived what you taught and you lived this life of perfection. Lord, we thank you that by faith we can receive this righteousness. 
Thank you, Lord, for making it so clear to us that we cannot be saved on our own merits, that we cannot come to you on our own merits. Lord, thank you that you make us righteous by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray for anyone here today who doesn't have that confidence of being right with God through Jesus Christ. Maybe they've never made that conscious decision that today is the day when I will put my faith in Jesus Christ and receive his righteousness, that I might be right with God, that I might have eternal life. But I pray that they would do that today as that they would be receiving by faith that which you would give them. But for the rest of us here, we want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we get this glimpse into who Jesus was. And we want to be these kind of disciples who are transformed from just being just like everybody else to being different, being like Jesus. Because we see that truly that is perfection. So Lord, would you do that work in our heart? Help us to be people who live and who love like you. And pray that in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.